welcome to the Summer of Love. We've been uh, along the summer and um, speaking about love. We've been focused on love. What is love? How does it impact us as people? How does it impact us as Christians? How does love impact us as um, followers of Jesus, as uh, people participating in holiness? It's been an awesome journey, um, at least for me, as I uh, have studied and learned, and I hope that for you as well. So uh, the last time I get to say it, welcome to the Summer of Love. I said before, I'm excited that we get to uh, speak about love again today, but I'm sad it's going to be the last time. That's okay, though, because next week, oh my goodness, next week, do we have something in store? Next week, it, by the way, is uh, Back to Church Sunday. It's what we call Back to Church Sunday. This year, it's a little bit different. We, we try to have a Back to Church Sunday push every year around the time, a little bit after when uh, all the kids go back to school. Because of uh, COVID, we just haven't been able to uh, promote it like we normally do, but I will let you know that uh, we are doing in-person meeting. If you're watching at home and you're thinking, man, I want to go, we are open. Uh, we try to, we're trying to do social distancing. Um, we have, we've, we're encouraging people to wear masks, especially while they're walking around. Uh, we want to we be safe, but also we want to get together. I mean, we just want to gather. We want to be able to worship together, and um, so we're doing that now. But uh, if you'd like to, to be here next week, then please join us if you want to watch online too. But on Back to Church Sunday, we're starting a whole new thing, and um, this is going to be really interesting. We have uh, Amanda Pettit coming to talk about human trafficking, and uh, the, the idea behind the uh, ministry that they've started, it's a compassionate ministry center that, that deals with human trafficking victims, and now this could be slave uh, like child labor trafficking or sex trafficking it's uh, just any kind of uh, thing in the in that world and it's man it's it is amazing um, rescue hill is what it's called she's going to talk to us about that and i thought it was it would be a great time for us to really begin to look at the social justice aspect i know that word's a little taboo um, for some people but it's it's not about social justice in the way that you think as we've been talking about love what does love look like for the Christian community when it's played out. What does that do for us? What is our part in this? And so we're going to talk about that Sunday, and one of those things is defeating at all costs um, human trafficking, anything that we can do to be a part of that, to help with that. Um, something else we're doing uh, through the Rescue Hill, Sarisa and a couple of others are working on um, becoming immigrant specialists, to help those desiring to um, immigrate to the United States to uh, get help with their um, immigration paperwork and all those things. It's so confusing, and, and the laws are so um, different, and I've learned that over the course of time. We actually have several immigrants uh, with us today, so uh, if you know somebody that would like to help, uh, needs help with something like that, then talk to Sarisa, and she'll uh, be able to point you in that way. But I think it's a great ministry for us to be involved in. So, again, what role does the Christian have to play as the love that God has given us becomes a reality? What does that look like? Uh, another thing is we did, we've called it Uplift. It, we've been calling it Farmers to Families, uh, the food distribution that we do. The reason we call it Farmers to Families is because that was the name of the grant that we were given. Uh, they were bringing food to us, and then we were able to distribute that. Well, the Farmers to Families um, grant distribution thing got caught up in some uh, political legal things, and they, it was cut off. 
rather abruptly, actually. So uh, Heather picked up the pieces and did what she could, uh, could and we bought uh, bags. We, had, or, you know, we bought food. A lot of you participated in that. We had over 80 uh, bags to distribute yesterday, and um, we were able to do that. We're going to try to do that every couple of weeks. Um, it's a little bit different because now it's going to cost us something, whereas before it was costing us only time. Now it's going to cost us financial. We're also looking into other grants and stuff, but, you know, this is what it looks like to participate in this idea of love that God has given us because we are required to, uh, th that love can't stay with us, and we're going to talk about that some more here in a minute. So anyway, not to get off in that, but I just think for a lot of Christians, we stop short of everything that God has called us to do. We enjoy receiving the Holy Spirit. We enjoy uh, participating in His nature, which is awesome that He, you know, extends His Spirit to us. All those things are great, but then what are we doing to show that to others? How are we doing that? And uh, so we're going to start next week and have some practical ideas of ways that we can uh, participate in those things. So don't get hung up on the word. Whatever word you choose to call it, it is us participating in the love of Christ and um, that extending from us to others. So anyway, uh, let's go on. The last day of the summer of love. We understand, and we've said this every week, that God has called us to be holy. Uh, in 1 Peter, it says this, uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. That's what we're looking at. What, is it, what does that mean? How do we do that? We began by asking, where has holiness gone? We don't really talk about holiness very much in the church anymore, even though we are a holiness church. We looked at the core and contributing notions to holiness. You remember the contributing notions like rules and regulations, purity, being set apart, things like that. Those all contribute to our understanding of holiness. But the core of holiness, what holiness is, uh, we decided is love. The most fundamental claim, and this is why, because the most fundamental claim of God, that really the key to an adequate understanding, an adequate doctrine of who God is, begins with this. God is love. That's where it starts. So love is at the center of what being a Christian is all about. If we are a people who call ourselves Christians, but we don't act in love, then I would say you need to evaluate or re-evaluate what you call yourself. I had a friend who used to say, either change your behavior or change your name. Don't call yourself a Christian and not act out of love. And we talked to, in, in talking about love, we defined it as, and, and this is good, I hope you wrote this down. If not, here's your chance. To love is to act intentionally in response to God and others to promote well-being. If all you remember is that love is to, to promote well-being, then that's going to be good. But we're acting in response to God and others to promote well-being. We want to see the good in and for others. And that's, what, that's really what love is. As we go through today, by the way, I'm reminded, as I said, note, if you'd like to follow along in today's message notes, you can go to the church app, um, text the word uh, Lantana app to, I think it's 77977, and uh, it'll get you there, or search it in your um, 
Google Play Store or App Store. Uh, anyway, the sermon notes are there. They're also in the Bible app. All right, so we talked about the three kinds of love mentioned in the Bible so often, agape, eros, and philia. Remember, agape means to um, promote well-being when responding to actions that cause ill-being. So being nice to somebody who's being mean, agape, to, to just love somebody anyway. It's a general love. Eros, acting to promote well-being by affirming and enjoying what is valuable. Eros, <laughs> what is valuable? I'm thinking about uh, responding to uh, or, or affirming and enjoying what is valuable. I don't know about you guys, but uh, this past weekend, starting with Thursday night, was the beginning of some order for my life because we have been without football for so long, um, without sports of, well, I guess we have had some basketball and baseball, which is interesting. Have you, any of you watched some of that on TV and, and, and hockey? Um, I see some hockey fans back there, the Stars uh, played last night. So if you have, um, if you watch though in the stands, they have like cutouts or they have digital people. It's been interesting. I watched some football games uh, over the weekend and you know, in a stadium that holds 100,000 people, they had like 17,000. Uh, very interesting, but at least we've got it. And hopefully, as time goes on, people continue to improve and get better, um, which is what's happening here in Denton County. Uh, people, you know, there's, there's fewer cases reported of COVID. The kids are back in school, so hopefully we can get back to even more order. All that to say, I enjoy football, and I'm glad it's back. And, which by the way, today the Cowboys don't play till late, so we have plenty of time to get through this. Alright, so three, agape, man, why do you guys let me do that? Like, I get way off. Three, three loves, agape, eros, philia, philia, uh, that, that promotes well-being by seeking to establish deeper bonds of cooperative friendship. So, it's the fellowship, it's the time we spend together, it's sharing a meal together, it's having a conversation, it's the reason that Teresa sometimes will come after church and say to me, Dude, you have been talking for so long. Will you please leave? I'm like, no, I'm, I, I have a philia for, you know, my friends. So I, it's a cooperative friendship. What we're learning is that love is so much more than just being nice. Love is, is so deep. Love is complex. Love is, uh, it, there's so much to love. Last week we unpacked and unpacked love, discovered that God has an exceedingly deep love for us. Maybe one that we didn't quite understand before because uh, the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you have the Trinity. Well, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in that at our church. Now, God is love. God the Father is love. Jesus is demonstrated that love and the Holy Spirit brings that love to us so they each have a unique role to play Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one so imagine it this way, the intimate love that God the Father and God the Son share right as they're together, this intimate love that they have was revealed through Jesus and then communicated to us by the Holy Spirit does that make sense? So God the Father and God the Son together, extraordinarily close, a deep affection and love for each other, full-bodied. Well, that love was demonstrated to us by Jesus dying on the cross, by even more than that, the way He lived among us, taught us, um, 
everything that he did showed us how to love. It was demonstrated by Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit communicates that love to us in our daily life. So today I want to kind of move on into the last. We've Each week we've built on the previous week, which is why I like to do this recap. <coughs> today we're going to start with how the Spirit bears witness. When I say bears witness, I mean the Spirit assures us of that love. He brings that love to us, which is where we ended last week. The journey that we're on, if we're truly on a journey of following God, the journey that we're on increases the likeness of Jesus in us. Christ's likeness is increased in us through this journey. You see, God has called us to be holy. He made us perfect. He made us in His image, right? And, and when Adam and Eve sinned, that image was, was distorted. It was messed up. It was, we're born into sin now. We, we all have sin in our lives. So the pursuit of holiness is the pursuit of Christ's likeness as that love becomes more full-bodied and, and realized in us we become more like Christ and His image is increasingly restored in us. It's what God's desire for us is, to be restored to the image that He created us in. <laughs> I, want, I want you to remember that um, in, in all of these things, first, a couple of things. First, if we ever get to a place and you think, I just lost Him. I have no idea what He's talking about. Like, He left me behind. Um, every, these are all recorded, so go back, listen to the podcast. We have the podcast available. We have it on online. But, but also, this we're, we're, we are at the essential foundation of a faith in Jesus. Like when, when people begin to ask you, any, almost any question that they ask you about Jesus, why are you that way? How can you believe in a God that you can't see? How come you can act like that? Why did you respond that way? Why? Any question, bring it back to love. We can say, because I have realized the way that God loves me, and I want to love others the same. God is at work in me. This is foundational. This is the very core of what it means to be a Christian. And um, since we can't have a small group that will present this in, in the way that... Um, really I, I just it needs to be presented this way we're doing it here and I, I think it's great and just I'm asking that you stay with me and pretend we're in school one more week next week is going to get better <laughs> Amanda's awesome the holy thank you for that witness yeah. both Amanda's Preston and Pettit the Holy Spirit bears witness okay so so now we're asking how does the Holy Spirit communicate that love to me right that's where we ended last week he communicates that love now this is where it gets really interesting because that love is communicated to us through community here is where that love is communicated to us that love cannot be contained within an isolated individual we were just talking about that it cannot stay with us what is received by us from God demands expression if you have received Jesus, if you have understood the full-bodied love of God, then you cannot contain it. It will be impossible 
Because that love within you has to come out. It just cannot stay. The love to us from the world's Savior, Jesus, flows through us to the world's creatures. That's why small groups in Sunday school are so important. Because it's in those small groups that we're able to experience God's love in the way we're talking about. Because that love comes from the Holy Spirit to us and is communicated to each other. So what I mean is it's hard for me to experience physically the love of the Holy Spirit because, I mean, let's face it, I don't feel Him touch me, right? Not in this kind of a way. We may say He touched me in my heart. I may become emotional. I may act in a different way. I may, but we don't feel Him like this. But I can feel you, right? You can show me love. When I'm having a hard time, you might be prompted by the Spirit to give me a call or a text message or come by and see me. You understand? It's, it's communicated to us by each other. This is awesome. So these groups are more than just simply a group or simply a class. They are conduits of God's grace and it is God's grace that promotes holiness in us so this is this is interesting we promote holiness by the spirit to each other it's an amazing thing this system that God has set up so you can understand now how love is the base is foundational is the core of being a Christian one of the questions that people will ask is how do you know that God loves you? Right? Have you been asked that? Well, how do you know? How do you know? Let's go. 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Oh, that's tough. Right? For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Are you, are you following this? This is, this is pretty good. Anyone who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. If we cannot love each other, then we cannot love God. We love because he first loved us. We love because He first loved us. Notice that it doesn't say we loved Him because He first loved us. So two things, pay attention to these two things. First is the context of 1 John. I never want to take a scripture out of context. The context of 1 John is this. We love others because God loved us. That's its context. So, so if you read 1 John, it's short, you should. It's awesome. We love because He first loved, loved us. Secondly is the Greek word used, agapeo, now, we've, we've talked about the word agape, right? Agapeo is in the plural sense. In other words, it should be written this way. We love others because he first loved us. Now, for, for the English language, just saying the word love can be plural. When it was written in the Greek, agapeo is the plural sense. So, translated in English, we love others. 
We agapeo, we love others because he first loved us. Why does that matter? You might be asking. John's message is not so much that God, that we love God because he loved us. That's easy. It's easy for us to love God. But that we love one another in the Christian community because God loved us. That's his message. We can love God, but loving others is what he's called us to do. Wesley, and this is cool. So here we go. Wesley believed, John Wesley, that God's love can be a transforming, healing, perceptible power. He believed God's love can be something that you actually experience. Not just something that you talk about. Not just something that you think about. Not just something that you mull over. Not just something that maybe you feel. He believed it was perceptible, that, that you could experience. Perceptible, meaning able to be felt. God's grace is able to be felt. And we're going to get into that. God's Word then. 1 John chapter 3. We're still in 1 John. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another right love one another god's word then that was from the beginning to all who believed in god is that we should share in the divine love with one another there's this divine love that god has for us and when we love others then we're sharing in that love we share in it together. So although Jesus, the word of life, is no longer here with us, this was, this was God's plan. Jesus isn't here anymore. See, God's love, the love he and Jesus had, Jesus demonstrated that love, and, it's, and, and he, he showed people what that love looked like. Now, the plan wasn't for him to go to heaven, return with God, and then leave us to our own devices. No, sent the Spirit. Jesus called him a paraclete. Not like a football player has a pair of cleats. If that helps you remember it, then do. Paraclete. Paraclete meaning a helper. Literally one who walks alongside. So God and Jesus love each other. Jesus, Jesus demonstrated that love. Holy Spirit brings that love, walks alongside us, helps us with that love. And Jesus' plan, God's plan was that I love you. Now you have experienced the love of Jesus. You love me, and I have experienced the love of Jesus. When people who have need come to the church every other Saturday, and, and we give them diapers and food and clothes, we are, they are experiencing the love of Jesus. How do we know that? Because what did, what did Jesus say? When we have fed the hungry, we did it for him. When we have clothed the naked, we did it. It's like we did it to him, right? You see the the circle that that of love that God has created for us. God's word, then, His love is perceptible, able to be felt. You got to pay attention. So, really, the next two minutes, just listen here. His love is perceptible, able to be felt by our senses. This love should be heard and acted upon faithfully, boldly, bodily. 
1 John chapter 4, and I just did a video last night about this because I was just blown away. 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. And this sentence right here. His love is perfected in us. John Wesley called it Christian perfection. Not that you are made perfect or perfectly sinless, but that by the love of God, that love is perfected in us. Now, this is crazy. If we love one another, God's love is perfected. God's love finds its fulfillment. God's love accomplishes its purpose in us. In other words, we are active participants in God's love being fulfilled. That's amazing. That means also that we are active participants in our relationship with God. God's love is fulfilled. We bring fulfillment to God because his love is fulfilled through us as we love each other it's, it's, it's just it's incredible it's incredible so that brings us to I don't know what to call it social holiness maybe this is how I define it God's loving active healing presence mediated and flowing through us to others and from others to us for the most part the church's problem has not been ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Our problem has not been ignoring the work of the Holy Spirit within us. In fact, whole churches, whole denominations have been built around the work of the Holy Spirit in me. We don't, we don't ignore that. I think where we've gone off track a little bit, where we've maybe gone away from what he wants us to a little bit and not on purpose it's just it's the nature of church as we become church it's entropy it's it's we just become more interested in ourselves they did a study of businesses businesses that fail begin to uh withdraw and it's a, it's a vicious cycle because the more you withdraw the more you fail the more you withdraw the more you fail until you are gone organizations and people by nature that's what we do so we get into a, a a building of people a group of people we all have the same feelings we all have the same ideas we have similar theology we love god we love the holy spirit we love each other and then pretty soon we love each other at the expense of everybody else businesses or let's just let's not say business let's say organizations that grow are able to grow because they continue to reinvent themselves. They continue to figure out ways to reach people. They continue to go beyond themselves, and they have to be made uncomfortable. Here's a great example, and every study that comes out almost references Apple. Apple has made some weird decisions, haven't they? That turns out to be the decisions that we would have made if we were making decisions. They just make them like five years ahead of everybody else because they're not building the computer for only 
well, two things with Apple. They're building their, their computers and devices for the masses. How do we reach the masses? By making things that the masses need. And they also build a lifestyle. So for the church, how is it that we can stay relevant, continue to reach out outside of our walls to a place that it's okay that it makes us a little uncomfortable so that we can reach people? so they can experience the love of God. What we've done in the church is we've ignored the critical importance of the social matrix of the Spirit's labors. Does that make sense? The, the social matrix, the, the social aspect of the Holy Spirit, as a church, we've kind of ignored that. We focused on Holy Spirit within me, but we haven't paid a lot of attention to the social matrix all right first corinthians chapter three don't you know that you yourselves are god's temple and that god's spirit lives in you if anyone destroys god's temple god will destroy him for god's temple is sacred and you are that temple now this is another interesting this is one reason when you study scripture always try to get to the the meaning the roots um, read through some of the greek blueletterbible.org is a free resource by the way if you ever want to do that everybody's heard sermons on this we are the temple of God do not destroy that temple meaning be careful what you put into your body right uh, don't destroy your body make sure that you stay healthy those kind of things but if we understand this particular scripture in an individual way, then actually we are misinterpreting the scripture because that's not how it was written. That's not the intention here. All right, and how do we, how do we know that? Two things. First, the context of the scripture, if you read the whole of chapter three, read all of chapter three, it's devoted to undermining the divisiveness that has crept into the church of Corinth. So the church in Corinth has had a bunch of divisiveness and uh, it has been, um, this is, Paul's trying to undermine it. All right, secondly is the grammar. The word that Paul uses here is the second person pronoun you. All right, any English people here? Second person pronoun, right, you. In Texas, we say y'all. That's our second person pronoun. All right, so let's look at the original Greek then and read it the way it's intended. Don't you all know that you all are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you all? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you all are that temple. So the destruction of, Paul, of God's temple that Paul's warning about here are divisive attitudes and practices in the church in Corinth that were threatening to tear apart the church. He wasn't talking about the foods that you eat or if you smoke or not or you fill in the blank. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the church as a whole. He argued that the Spirit is shared among believers and Holy Spirit is not just an individual possession. He's not just for us. We see then that the holiness message of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is not really about keeping individual bodies pure 
but about striving to keep local congregations unified in the love of God. You all, plural, y'all, we are the temple. Isn't that amazing? We are the temple. So anybody who goes around and destroys the temple, that's who Paul's warning about here. God will destroy them. Makes you think twice about gossiping. Because I don't want to be destroyed by God. He can do some major destroying. All right, so here's the breakdown. The authors wrote this. The relational holiness that we have been talking about is this. If God indwells each Christian congregation to make a holy temple in the Lord, the Spirit lives in and among us, flowing through us to others and others to us. God's gentle calling often woos us through the love of others. God's love can touch others through us and touch us through others. No wonder the beloved apostle, talking about John, wrote that, while no one has ever seen God, if we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us we do it for each other okay so here at the end let's just look again very quickly at the core and contributing notions then core notion of holiness is love but these contributing notions that we talked about rules and regulations okay when we use rules and regulations as a guide for living well we become tools to decide what love I mean they become tools to decide what love might require what that looks like how about purity the life of love is one of clean living how about total commitment total commitment to a loving God and to God's call of love is the core say total commitment to the love of God set apart being set apart is best understood as having to do with a life of love. We are set apart from the rest of culture to love like Jesus would love. How about perfection? John Wesley called it Christian perfection. Holiness as perfection is understandable when perfection is characterized as living in love. We can be perfect in any particular moment when we love God. left my book here we can be perfect in any particular moment when we love God isn't it awesome to know his love can be perfected in us we are active participants in a relationship with God I want to read a portion of the book uh, relational holiness by the way what I've been speaking about we're going to finish up here but this is called the dance of holiness one way to appreciate love as the heart of relational holiness is to compare holiness to dancing <laughs> you might be thinking wait a minute dancing in a holiness church listen our suggestion is that we think of both god and ourselves as partners in the dance of life for our comparison let's call god the master dancer some might think that holiness entails that each of us dance alone on the dance floor while God rests somewhere in a distance. 
In this way of understanding holiness as a dance, we pretty much do our own thing. We take no cues from God or from anyone else. We prance around on our own to resolute determination to do the right thing. We, mock, we might call this the do the right thing dance. <laughs> Takes no time at all for this dance to turn into a fiasco. Chaos reigns where dancers do not allow an expert's lead, design, or plan. Participants thrash around, smash into each other, and cause injury and havoc. This is not poetry in motion. It is the pit of despair. While dancers might occasionally glance at the master dancer, each is not the least concerned to follow directions. The extreme individualism of the do-my-own-dance has little in common with relational holiness. Another way to think of holiness as a dance is to believe it prescripted and controlled. In it, the master dancer approaches us and says, You must dance with me. You must dance in the way that I command. When the dance is sovereignly restricted, we spin about like robots. Obedient is demanded. Obedience is demanded, and variation is not tolerated. Let's call this the divine coercion dance. In contrast to the chaos of the do-my-own-thing dance, the divine coercion dance is utterly orderly. It is hard to imagine, though, that either the master dancer or the others participating actually appreciate the value. After all, robots don't love, and manipulations have no capacity for the risk that love requires. In the divine coercion dance, we find that good reason to regard the master dancer's request and subsequent leading as expressions of love. This exercise lacks freedom, adventure, and creative expression. While not ugly, it is eminently regimented and determinately dull. You guys picking this up? The third way to think about holiness as a dance and the way of relational holiness is to think of the master dancer as acting first to request our hands. This is good. We retain the freedom to accept or reject that request. Should we reject it, the master dancer will continue to propose that we join him. He never tires of requesting our hands. And if we accept, we begin to twirl cooperatively around the floor. This is the cooperation dance. In the cooperation dance, the master dancer takes the lead. Naturally, when we follow the guidance of an expert, what ensues is beautiful poetry in motion. When we keep in step with the master dancer, the floor comes alive. We see the beauty of holiness. The cooperative dance begins in beauty, but it can become even more exquisite as it grows more complex. The master dancer starts with basic steps and proceeds to teach willing partners more and more intricate uh, maneuvers. There seems no end to the delightful variations and adaptations that emerge as dancers collaborate. After we've said yes to the request, however, we may get out on the dance floor, flop around sloppily. We, we can ignore the dancer's charming moves, gentle nudging, and tender leadership. We can freely choose to get out of step with the expert. The dance that once was beautiful becomes unsightly. Charm and creatively, uh, creativity exit as the dance disintegrates into the do-my-own-thing dance. The cooperative dance is not merely about our own response to the promptings of the master dancer. After all, he requests dances with everyone, and he aims to lead all who respond on the dance floor. just want to remind us that God is not going to make us dance with him. So some of us are having to do my own thing 
dance. We're not listening to. We're not paying attention to. We're just doing our own thing. But God also is not going to make us follow Him like a, a drill sergeant. And some of us have come into uh, believing being a Christian is about that. He's given me a list of rules. I must follow these rules. The dance becomes robotic and isn't healthy. But then there's the kind of dance he calls us to where he requests that you dance with him. And as long as we listen and follow, he teaches us how to dance beautifully. And the longer we go, the more intricate the dance gets. The more of an expert in dancing we become. And I know you've seen those people who have been Christians for a long time. And it seems like the dance of holiness that they have with God is beautiful, and that's the kind of dance that you want. But we all have to start somewhere. So today I wonder, and this is how we're going to close, is God calling you to the dance floor? Is He asking you to allow His love to fill you? so that he can teach you how to dance with him. He wants you to cooperate with him, and he wants to teach you something new. But it all starts with a choice, a, de a decision. Do we love Jesus? Do we love each other? Are we willing to be Jesus to each other, to, to extend our hand of help and touch to one another? Let's pray. God, thank you for being the master dancer. Thank you for teaching us what love is. Thank you for extending your hand to me once upon a time and drawing me to you. So there may be somebody here today who for the first time is extending their hand out. Maybe maybe they have already received you and believed in Jesus. But they haven't gotten out of the do my own thing dance or the imagining you as a drill sergeant dance. Maybe they haven't even extended their hand. I'm not sure where everybody's at, but me just say this it's not really a salvation prayer it's a it's a prayer of sanctification dedication yourself entirely to God and it, it's just like a giving yourself to him God I give myself to you Holy Spirit I want to dance in cooperation with you would you teach me fill me with your love so that I can love others God, I don't know this morning who's saying that prayer, but I just ask that you would be with them. That you would teach us what it looks like to love, teach us what it looks like to dance with you, teach us what it looks like to live in cooperation. And Father, just, uh, just be with us. As we've ended the summer of love, we've spent a lot of time talking about love, what it looks like. Now as we kind of move into the next phase, God, help us to take that love with us and now look at how... 
What does that love look like? What does that love look like when I help others, when I do something? How does that love become something outside of me? Thank you, God, for being with us. Now continue to be with us this week as we go through life. Give us people. Show us those that we can love. Help us to draw close to you, I pray. In Jesus' name.